Hello, everybody. This is the Winning in Winnipeg podcast, where we talk to top performing business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, and local Winnipeg celebrities. We get to learn who they are, how they think, and we get to hear their perspective about what's really going on in Winnipeg and their businesses. Today, we're lucky to have a business owner in one of Manitoba's most niche markets. Ryan Durlego is the owner operator of Stick Flingers Manitoba Bow Hunts a bow hunting only camp located in the Porcupine Hills in the western border of Manitoba. Ryan has found a way to turn his lifelong passion into a successful company where he is the largest and only bow hunting only camp in Manitoba. Ryan is also the co-creator, creator or co-creator? Co. Co-creator of Black Bear Wear, a bear hunting inspired clothing company that uses style, quality, and humor to to make a declaration of what they believe in. And all of this while being employed full-time as a firefighter paramedic with the city of Winnipeg. There's so much more that I could tell you about him, but I'm just going to let him tell you the rest. Mr. Durlego, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you. It's Uh, not often enough. It is a little different than our old talks where Mm. we would have coffee, maybe a little less audio equipment, the video equipment, maybe, you know, yeah, that's fair. It happens. So I, I guess, uh, I kind of want to jump into this now. I think there is a tremendous amount of places that we can start, but the one that I think that's the biggest in, into really diving into right off the start is what you're so passionate about and why you're so passionate about bow hunting so how did this become so big in your life how did it become how did you become probably one of the most knowledgeable bow hunters out there well yeah it's a it's been a lifelong thing you know growing up in a bow hunting family um probably well obviously led to um, why i do what i do but uh i think you know my father was one of the first bow hunters in Manitoba. It wasn't really a thing that caught on in Manitoba or even in Canada until the 60s, maybe the 70s. Uh, whereas bow hunting like down in places like Michigan, it was very popular even in the 50s. Do you know how he picked it up? He picked it up. Uh, he grew up in a family that hunted, but didn't bow hunt. Okay. So he just was attracted to it. He just, there was something about him that made him wanted to shoot, wanted to shoot a bow. So he pursued that, and that was in the days when archery was pretty traditional. There was no modern bows with wheels and all the gadgetry that there is nowadays. So he he purchased a, a very simple recurve bow and kind of got into a group of guys that were trying to go about and do this, just shoot bows and try to harvest game and bring it home to eat. And mm-hmm. and it was it's pretty comical to listen to to his stories about the stepping stones when you didn't have any role models, no internet, no way to learn. Um, Yeah, so that's what I grew up in, was this family of people that hunted with bow and arrows. Right. And uh, I still have the bow and arrow that he first started with. And I actually shot a big bear with it a few years ago with him there, he videoed me, which was kind of unique to have that opportunity. Is that considered a longbow? That would be a recurve bow. Okay. Very close to a longbow. Just the difference is how the how the limb on the bow is or how the string comes off the limb. It's they're the same idea to shoot, very traditional. Right. The kind you'd shoot in gym class. 
Okay. Yeah. So must be in Manitoba. Must be a Manitoba thing. <laughs> I missed that class. <laughs> yeah, you would have failed that class. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. On something that's really awesome is that you share a lot of that in uh, on your website. Um, like lots of lots of pictures and videos, um, and you also let people into kind of who you are, where you've come from, stuff like that. Um, how did it, how did it, you know, come about you, you, you started hunting, you, you probably hunted more than others. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, no, I, I started hunting with my dad, right. From when I was little, my first word was bear. Uh, that's not a lie. You know, funny, I ended up being bear hunting outfitter, but, uh, yeah, my first toy was a bow. I just thought everybody did it. I, it was one of those things that's like, well, what do you mean you don't shoot stuff with a bow? All right. But then you kind of, you grow up and you learn, okay, this is unique. We, this isn't what everybody does. Yeah. Um, in kindergarten, my parents actually got called in to see the teacher <laughs> because she had an issue that I was lying in class. To Come the other on. Kid. No, no lie. And so they, they actually came in for a meeting and she proceeded to tell them that Ryan's been telling the other students that his dad goes up in a tree and shoots bears with a bow and arrow. And they had to tell her it was true. <laughs> and she apologized. And, but that's the seventies, right? People didn't know about this stuff. Okay. So yeah, in that family growing up, shooting a bow, hunting, just that was part of life. Mm-hmm. Carried that over into university. It was my, it was a passion. You know, I did all the th- other things, all the sports that every, all the kids do, went to school, did all that. Uh, got a job working at archery range, natural progression, uh, started guiding hunters mm-hmm. uh, it, to get, put myself through university. And in the process of guiding those hunters, I saw, you know, I worked for one outfitter that I saw, okay, this isn't how you should do things. Worked for another outfitter that I really liked how professionally was about it. Mm-hmm. And then took my own knowledge of, you know, growing up in the, in the community of hunting and bow hunting and thought, you know, maybe one day that's something I'll do. Right. And then after I got a career going, I figured, okay, you know, being on the fire department that we do have quite a bit of extra time. Right. And I thought, man, this is the time. Let's, let's get this business going. What was the, was there a light bulb moment? Was there, when you're, st- when you're standing at the edge of the cliff and you're thinking about jumping for so long, was, was there actually something or was it like a slow progression as, or just waiting for the right time? There, it was definitely a slow progression, knowing that I kind of, I had the skills to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of one of those things that, um, unlike a lot of businesses, it was just kind of second nature. Like you, I didn't have to really look into other than the simple things like how to get a business name, like the, the simplest things ever. Yep. Actually, the, the, the actions of running the business, I already knew how to do all that. It's yep. what I did for fun. Um, and you know, even being drawn to the fire department, like I've always been the kind of person that likes to help people. And I knew that I could provide people with an adventure that they couldn't have on their own. And, you know, as you hunt and as you have these adventures in your life, one of the best parts about them is sharing, Mm -hmm. sharing that adventure with people and getting to see them experience what you did at first, that excitement of the firsts, you know, just like I do with my kids now. Right. So, well, um, one of the, one of the most amazing things about 
what you've been sharing uh, a lot. Like your your YouTube's really good. As far as what you put on there, like it's it's informative, it's funny. Okay. But what I really like about YouTube is seeing your kids on there too. Um, I think you know, in in looking into that, reading the comments and like the community that's part of it, like they love it for like sure. That was the huge part about it. I'm gonna guess that. A big part of the hunting community probably spends a lot of time by themselves and or time away from family or, you know, they, they use it as, as an escape. Whereas you're on there, you're promoting parenting, uh, your faith, um, animal practices, like, like, you know, Guaranteed. being respectful to the, to the, to what you're shooting. Yeah. Um, when did that, when did that start? Like when did, when did you start filming stuff? Started filming things, man, back in the day when video cameras were total junk. Yeah. They were giant, right? Like it's a huge workout just to carry (laughs) it out there. Um, remember watching videos, you know, it was maybe renting them on VHS you know, there was a day, I think on Sundays where you could might, there was like a, a series of shows you could watch on TV, like for about two, three hours, it would be okay. one hunting show after another. Yeah. And I remember being like, wow, thinking this is cool. You know, you, these guys are filming their hunts. So I thought, well, let's try it. Yeah. Did it. And it, you know, it worked out just that the quality wasn't there. Yeah. And it was one of those things that was just another challenge. I mean, that's also why a bow hunt, because it's a challenge. It's not easy. You can't just go out and get something mm-hmm. right. You, you, you really get to know your game. You really get net, get to know how to be an outdoorsman. You know, adding the element of videoing was another way of making it more difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And you know how things are. It's anything that you have to work hard at mm-hmm. feels like more of an more of an achievement than things that come easy. Mm-hmm. And bow hunting is not easy. So yeah, started videoing, and then just progressed with the videoing. Mm-hmm. To the point where it was like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Like, you know, and there's trends. You see trends all the time. You watch Instagram, YouTube, you know, it goes from like really like perfect slow motion, perfectly edited video. You'll see nowadays, they're kind of back to the shaky, like Bush League. Bush League stuff. Yeah. That's what that's what's in right now, well, you know? Because it, it's real. Yeah. Right? Like people want to feel like they're not being lied to. Exactly. And, the, the- and they can relate. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's another part, like you said, about having my kids there Mm -hmm. and people can relate. Another thing that kind of bothered me for a while about videos was the whole over exaggeration of how excited they were, you know, and the terminologies with like putting the smack down on an animal or, you know, giving it a dirt nap or all these disrespectful things that me and my hunting friends never did. Never like there's rarely a high five. Like it's you're killing something. Right. You know, that's the bottom line is you're killing something. And as, as amazing as it is in ways, it's, it, there's a part of it that's somber. It, it's one of those things that if I have to explain it to somebody, they're not going to understand. That's fair. Right. Yep. So I guess that's the end of that conversation. No, but really, you know, it was like being able to share that with people that do it. And in a way that's not dramatized, like they do on the other videos, mm-hmm. the real way we do it. Right. You know, like where you're with your kids, you're showing admiration for the animal, 
we pray after, we're thankful for what we have, you know? And the feedback, like you said, that I've got from people because of that, mm-hmm. I think they just like that down-to-earth approach rather than I want to be a movie star approach. Right. So. Well, it kind of ties into even all the way back to just being real. For sure. Right? Like, and that's what, that's For what sure. people really want to see. You had uh, you had one video there that you said it was probably your lowest moment. Oh, yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. <laughs> I don't believe you watched that one. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that was that. That's tough when things like that happen. You know, I, I hadn't shot a deer in a couple of years. I mean, not that I couldn't, but like you were very selective about what I want to shoot. And yeah. I had I had pictures of this deer. I, I don't really use trail cameras a whole lot. I like to see what's in the area. And if there's an animal there that's of quality or of the right age, I'll hunt that area. Right. If none are showing up on a camera, well, I probably won't waste my time in that area because there's nothing of quality there. So this was an exceptional deer. It was old and it was it was ready to be harvested mm-hmm. and it was smart and it was nocturnal. You would never see it during the day. And I finally had an opportunity at it. And yeah, it was just an unfortunate events where... I had an equipment issue where my my limb of my bow hit the seat of my tree stand that I was in and the arrow shot below the deer. It was like six yards away. And you you saw in the video like, in my face. Yeah. Like it's, you know, you, you, you think you spend eight hours in that tree each time I go out, mm-hmm. maybe more, and you'll go out 20, 30 times that fall. You do that for two years. That's like 60 times you went out for eight hours each time, mm-hmm. plus all the work of scouting and putting all that stuff up. And then that happens, right? But that's also the reason why it's so good when it does happen. I imagine. So, And being able to provide that adventure for people is why I love the guiding part of it. Well, the whole, like, you know, we've talked before. I've never actually been hunting. Right. And so everything about it is the unknown to me. Some of it's somewhat scary. Some of it is like, why would I ever sit there freezing? Like, it's cold here. It is. Yeah. It, well, especially this year. But I mean, ice fishing for me this year, I don't even really want to go. Right. I mean, this is the year where if you enjoy shoveling and you enjoy freezing, you're in the right place. But <laughs> unbelievable, isn't year, it? Especially trying to build foundations. Oh, I like, don't even want to know. Been an adventure, yeah. But I guess anything outside, anything right? outside, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, but the gear that comes down to your gear. November isn't as bad as it is now. Uh, I've got this thing that I made. It was an imitation of a business that's called a heater bodysuit. Okay. So it's basically like a sleeping bag with a zipper that you just go Everywhere. in. And what a game changer! Sit up there. All day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Peanut butter sandwiches in my pockets. They used to freeze. Now they don't because they get to stay in the heater bodysuit with me. I was thinking about the uh, the battery operated, you know, jackets, sweaters. For sure. People like use that. those inside the heater bodysuits. Oh, yeah. And then it's like an oven in there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And why not, right? Well, it makes sense. Well, and I mean, so what? Cost you a little bit extra money? After you use it once, you're like, why didn't I spend this money a <laughs> yeah. long time ago? This makes it somewhat enjoyable. Exactly. Um, okay. So you, uh, you made your way up, you, you kind of, you made your decision as far as this is something that you think you can become reality. Um, how did you find this place? 
what was it what was the circumstances you for know, sure how yeah. does someone go about buying a, a hunting outfit yeah that was that slow um kind of brewing thing we talked about earlier not the light bulb moment it was like you know you don't just become an outfitter right so i started as a guide and then got my career going got my family going and then was just kind of always looking knowing okay that's something that i want to do mm -hmm. it's a little side gig that i can get going and i just started watching i, I knew which part of manitoba i wanted to be in that west side of manitoba just gives from you, just from hunting a lot just from hunting a lot and just knowing it's it's what i do yep. right it's like yep. the golfer knows what golf courses are the best ones well i knew That's what fair. the best area for bear hunting was yep. so i wanted that northwest edge of manitoba and just started watching started watching and sure enough one popped up for sale and it was the right size it was affordable it was exactly in the area i wanted so i i contacted the guy and and made it happen nice yeah it was, uh, that was maybe my aha moment, the light bulb. You know, it was like, here it is. Boom. Here we go. Momentum and, and gone. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. Um, so you're, you're moving into this. What would make, um, and, and I'm not saying that he did, but what would make an outfitter fail? Yeah. And you're, you hit the nail on the head. That guy did fail. He was a great guy. Yep. Um, but admitted that he didn't know what he was getting into. Okay. He didn't grow up with it like I did. Mm -hmm. He didn't really even guide for anybody before I did. He, um, I think he did some deer hunting and then thought he would try this, like it would be easy. And, you know, to some people, they might think it is. You put some bait out, you shoot a bear. Well, that's not exactly what a paying customer is looking for. Right. Not only that, you have to get your clientele. You, it, it would be kind of nice if you already have yourself established as a known hunter mm -hmm. in order to start selling. And, and he wasn't. So fortunately for me, I was, had capitalized on social media and I was on a, a hunting forum where a lot of guys were, you know, contacting me about information on bear hunting. Cause I, I, I had done quite well to that point. And then when I opened the doors to my business, it was, I think within the first year I was selling out which, nice. I mean, it wasn't big. I think I had 16 tags. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's six, a tag means per hunter. So I'm allowed to take 16 hunters each year. Okay. And then slowly with time, the province gave me a few more, which led now to my more current expansion where I bought out another outfitter. Right. So. What makes uh, the Porcupine Hills so awesome? To It's um the porcupine hills is great uh it's basically a fault system so you've got manitoba which is flat as flat can be um, but on the west side of manitoba you've got a couple of different ranges of hills you've got riding mountain yep. then it drops into a valley and then it goes up into the duck mountains which drops into another valley which goes to the porcupine hills and there's something about that fault system and the genetics of bears in that area that bring color to the bears. So we're hunting black bears, right? but in Western Manitoba, you have multiple colors of black bears. Whereas in Eastern Manitoba, you might get the odd brown colored black bear, maybe the odd cinnamon colored black bear. But on the West side of Manitoba, you have lots of different colors of bears. Hmm. That's a big draw for American clientele to come up where they have the opportunity to shoot something other than just a black bear. Okay. Even though they're all black bears, just a different colored black bear. Right. Um, it also is an area that's unique, unlike the east side of our province. The east side of our province is all Canadian Shield. Right. There's not. There's no agriculture, 
and there's not a lot of nutrients in the soil. Hmm. So the bears to the west have these escarpments and this terrain changes where it goes from agriculture in the valleys to wooded in the hills, and they live right on the fringe. So those bears are eating corn, oats, they're eating from nutrient-rich soils. The bears get bigger, and um, their bone structure gets bigger, which is how you judge size of a bear is its skull. Um, I'm not much into that anymore. You know, I'm more into just shooting mature bears, helping these guys have good adventures, colored bears. But it is nice that you have that genetics and and that terrain that allows them to get that big. Right. What makes um, most of your clients, you mentioned Americans coming up. Mm-hmm. Where do most of your clients come from? Um, how do they hear about you? How do they find you? How do they contact you? Yeah. Oh, like I mentioned earlier, that one site I was on, it was called Bowsite. Okay. Um, and also Trad Gang, um, which are two hunting forums. Still big? Still big. Okay. Yep. Still, yep. Yeah. One's getting smaller. The other one's still doing well. Okay. And the hunting community, it's it's big when it gets to the US, but it's in a, in a weird way, it's still kind of small. Okay. And word of mouth is huge, really big. So I think a big part of it is how well you treat people. Yep. And I think it really helps to be down to earth. People want, they want to feel like they know you. Yep. You know, um, man, I'm joking with these guys from the minute they roll into camp. And they don't always know how to handle that at first, mm-hmm. but within a day or two, they're right into it and they're loving their they're loving their time up here. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they go home with that. Um, they go home with a new friend. And it doesn't take long before guys are comparing stories and maybe guys in another place didn't connect with their outfitter. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not saying that I'm the best. Um, I'm saying just that we work hard and we have fun. Right. And I think that that's been that's been paying off. So there's a few things in there. Uh, one is the experience that you create. The other one is touch, t- touches on marketing um, and what you're putting out there. Uh, tell me, tell me about the experience that you provide and what makes it, what makes it special? How have you been, how, how did you go about thinking about it? I mean, being an experienced hunter, a lot of the times, we just do what we would want to see, right? Um, but how has it progressed from, I would say, your your very first client to to now? Mm-hmm. Well, like we touched on earlier, it's a niche market because of that bow hunting. Nobody else was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were telling me, no, Ryan, you need to cater to everybody because you need to be vast. And I was like, well, I don't want to. I want to take people bow hunting. Mm-hmm. And I already had a career. I didn't need to take people hunting with guns if I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, okay, let's do what I've always done and not really care what people think. And it's been working out. Uh, A lot of guys really appreciated that I was providing them with experience and a hunting camp where every place we went to was catered for them with their bow and arrow, where it wasn't clearly, oh, people with guns hunt here and now we got to make it work for our bow. Right, make it make it fit. Exactly. Yep. It was already exactly how they would have done it for themselves. Nice. Right, so providing guys with something that they can relate to. Okay. Um, then just having that commonality of being a traditional bow hunter. Now, I, when I say bow hunting, I take all bow hunters. But my bow camp 
is largely traditional bow hunters. So you'll have guys there that shoot long bows, recurves, they make their own arrows, they make their own points. It's kind of like the best analogy would be fly fishermen. You know, you got a group of fishermen and they all get along, Mm -hmm. but there's something about those fly fishermen that make tie their own flies and have their traditional net and their traditional clothing, right? They're kind of in their own little group. Mm -hmm. So because I already did that, it was easy to just do what I already did and provide what I already do. And the rest of the guys just fit right in. Yeah. So many guys come up, they want to come up every year. I remember after the first year, guys were like, okay, I'm going to give you down payments for 10 years. I'm like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) you might not after a few times coming up, you know, let's make it every second year. Like, I don't want this, you know, to burn out here. Yeah. But they felt that much at home with, with the experience and, you know, that felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, at the same time, you always want a trickle effect of new people coming in, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I also, you know, allow the, the compound hunters. Yep. And I also now I'm expanding to a separate camp, which will allow other weapons. But my, my bow hunting camp will stay what it's always been. Yeah. Yeah. What what else has progressed? I, I remember you talking about lodging and, you know, the work that you've done up there. Uh Cooking's a big one. Cooking. Right? Oh, that was a nightmare. <laughs> you know, I put so much effort into feeding these guys the first few years and hiring extra guides so I could cook. And, mm-hmm. you know, after talking to these guys and saying, listen, I can drop the price and provide all the things to cook with if you cook your food mm-hmm. or, you know, I'll have coffee and all that kind of stuff. But if you bring your own food and cook it yeah. on the stuff I have provided, they're like, yeah, that's great. So yeah. now... What happens is these guys find out who's up their week and they already have menus and food like already by the time they show up. Nice. So that's definitely been a progression, you know, let them cook the food. Let me worry about the bear hunting. And the same group of guys prefer like this rustic style camp Mm -hmm. where you stay in wall tents and you, you know, it's not like a big hotel or a big lodge. Mm -hmm. They like the campfire atmosphere, the wood stove in the tent. They like the the wall tents glowing at night. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I so. feel like if someone's going to make their own arrow, that, you know, they're probably not posh enough to worry about how nice the tent <laughs> yeah, is, right? Exactly. Maybe exactly. It, and some of them prefer, yeah. right, to be out in the nature. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So, but not everybody, you know, I mean, but the, the, the camp that I'm now opening, I mean, I, we're probably going to get to this, but it's uh, two years ago, I bought out another outfitter okay. and COVID happened. So I haven't taken anybody in two years, but I own this extended camp now where I take 64 people a year mm-hmm. and 19 of them are going to be out of a bed and breakfast just so that I can have a totally different experience for the people that, because I was turning so many people around that didn't want the rustic camp. Yep. And I'm like, I can still provide you guys with a really good hunt with the weapon of your choice, but I'm going to do it over here to not jeopardize what I already have solid over here. Mm -hmm. So, so you had, you, you began with 16 tags. Mm -hmm. How did that evolve? That evolved. uh, What happened then is uh, tags are allocated per square mile um, of area that they feel that there's bears in. You're allocated a certain area per square mile and they say, okay, that area now is going to allow you to take 16 bears each year out of that area. 
So biologists, um, kill reports, sometimes they're like, well, there's more bears now than we thought there was. We're going to give you two more. Hmm. So that business grew into 20 some tags from the 16 just um, through that. And also from a neighboring outfitter shutting down and then they dispersed his tags amongst the neighboring outfitters, which was nice. And then I got up to 24 tags or something like that. And then- I realized, okay, the only way to get where I wanted to with numbers was to buy out another outfitter. Right. So I bought out the neighboring outfitter. Um, he touches my area in spots, but it's, it's basically giving me the better portion of the Porcupine Hills and then a good portion of the center of the Duck Mountains, which is where the other camp is. It's about 45 minutes away. Right. So how many tags in total now? 64, I believe. Okay. And we want to expand. I got somebody in with me on the other camp, the bed and breakfast camp, a good friend. So he's 50-50 with me on that. And we're going to expand that camp again by at least another dozen. So I think at that point we'll be right where we want to be. And you're saying that that could be the largest outfitter in Manitoba? I think at that point it will be. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty close now. You talked about um people when they're when they when they're watching you they like to kind of get to know you um when they come to camp you're real you know you're joking with them you're just you're not bullshitting with them you're not all of that stuff um how has that really how have you been thinking about that did you think about that at all when you started shooting um now with social media and how it's going, is that something that you're thinking about on how to either show people kind of what you do or who you are? Um, where does your mind go when when we start talking about what message you want to get across to people? Mm-hmm. I think for me, I had started that before I was outfitting. People maybe already knew who I was in some areas. Okay. I, that's when, you know, with the videos and the YouTube and the mm-hmm. hunting forums and all that stuff, you kind of get to know who the who's who of the community. So I think because I already started doing that, it was natural to keep going with it as I got the outfit going. And then my business partner in Black Bear Wear is also my head guide for me in my hunting camp, mm-hmm. who is really good with video footage and editing and stuff on YouTube. So that's just kind of an, it's got a natural flow to it, right? Like we go out, we go baiting, he brings a camera, right? We're, so we go good. hunting. Yeah, he's videoing. He's always doing something with the video. And then he puts it together like a magician mm-hmm. and it ends up being this wonderful thing to watch, right? Which on winters like this, you know, people are watching multiple times. Yeah. And like you said, the people get to know me, that's through that social media outlet, yep. through YouTube, through Instagram, you know, a lot of people laugh at that stuff, but hey, you know, that's outfitters that laugh at social media are the outfitters that I'm going to be buying out real soon. A thousand percent. Sounds rude, but it's the truth, right? You kind of got to go with it. Well, it's not, I mean, we look at different social platforms and how many people, to this day, I was speaking with people who are kind of laughing at, at TikTok. 
And I love, I love TikTok. And should I say that? I, don't, I feel guilty. No, saying No, you're that. allowed to say that. Okay. I've heard you say much worse than that <laughs> okay. about stuff. No, that that's that the rabbit enjoy. hole of all rabbit holes. So, like right. an hour later, how long you're like, okay, I've been on here an hour. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine, like, when when we look at at social media platforms and and the progression that they've taken. Facebook, you know, it started super young. All the old people are like, Meh, that's just a college thing. And then it gets older, then it gets older. And then it's my grandma's on Facebook. Yeah, no. <laughs> and all the young kids are like, no, I'm on Instagram. Exactly. Right? And it progresses and progresses For and sure. progresses. Where, whereas they start thinking, oh, if only I got in earlier. Mm-hmm. If only I got into Twitter earlier and started a following earlier or became bigger. And then TikTok comes along. And what happens? Oh, that's just for kids. Oh, they're doing like, I don't want to dance. I don't want to, you know, make a fool of myself. It's the exact same thing. It is. It's communicating a message. That's right. right? And you know, what's funny is people always thought, oh, I got to be pro, you know, I got to have my image. And it's funny how, if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. that people find it attractive. People love vulnerability because you're real. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, when I'm on my videos, you know, I don't, nothing's scripted, mm-hmm. right? If I want to be goofy, I'm going to be goofy. If I want to be, you know, serious or sad, I'm just going to be who I am. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a big part of me. Not always my whole life. I've never really cared what people think. Mm-hmm. So you should see my hairdos in high school. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Ver- verification. Well, you have I, I think I had it as my screensaver <laughs> you for a did. while. Yeah. Yes, you did. And you put it up at the hall I as did. the hall screensaver. I did. That's right. Yeah, On thank you. multiple halls, I actually. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, you're welcome. Vanilla Ice had nothing on you. Nothing. Yeah. So, Actually, yeah. I think that could be the picture we use. Let's go with it. It, it may be. Yeah. Maybe I'll hide it somewhere <laughs> as we release this. Really phenomenal. Thank you. You're welcome. I try. <laughs> um, one of the best videos that I've ever seen that I'll probably never forget is the one where you're looking, where you kind of play dumb and you're like, <laughs> no, I haven't seen any bears anywhere. I'll, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to link that to this. Yeah, on, and they're like four YouTube. feet behind me. I know. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. You get very comfortable around bears when you're an outfitter. I was going to say yeah. like, there is like, there's certain things that I would, I guess it's 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 a knowledge and it's a comfort and you know you've spent enough time to know what's good what's sure. bad and you read them and stuff like that, um, and and as I was reading about uh, bear hunting, like you can't shoot grizzlies, right? Mm-hmm. So black bears are that's what you're hunting. That's right. Um, do you see grizzlies? Do you see? Uh, no, we don't no? see grizzlies. You go far enough up in Manitoba, you'll get the odd one. Okay. And not a huntable population. Yeah. I mean, that's why we hunt the black bears. That's there right. are so, it's so heavily populated, our province. Yeah. And right now with COVID and outfitters not taking Americans. It's probably getting crazy. It is. You're having all the small towns full of bears. Come on. You know, they're breaking into things. Yeah. It's like revenge of the bears, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're coming into the towns. No, but I had natural resources calling me that they're trying to get into my place up in Birch River. Like tags, baby. Give me tags, give me tags. Yeah, no, these guys that have waited through COVID, they've been booked for two years, right? They are going to have the hunt of their lifetime this spring. There's so so many bears. Uh, I can shoot that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. Exactly, exactly. Crazy. 
Oh, there's so many places we can go. You mentioned Black Bearware. Okay. Okay. So this is, you told me about this uh, a little while ago. Actually, I've it could have been years ago because COVID just like, mm-hmm. I don't, I can't remember last week, let alone what happened over COVID. Um, where did it come about? How did the idea happen? How did you actually make it a reality? And why? Like, why did you want to do this? Yeah, it was actually uh, a mistake. So I mentioned my friend, David, that does my videos. He was doing a video, um, something about bear, it's always about bear hunting, but it it, it had something to do with shot placement on a bear. There's controversies on where to properly hit a bear to make it expire quickest. Mm -hmm. We don't want things to suffer. So there's this theory and it's a lie, but it was an outfitter that came up with it on shooting a bear further back in the body. See, a lot of clients will come up and they will try to shoot a bear like they do a deer and they'll hit it in the shoulder because it's so close to the rib cage. Okay. And a, on a deer, they might shoot through that shoulder, but on a bear, they're not going to shoot through that shoulder. Okay. So this outfitter wanted guys to avoid the shoulder. So he told them to start aiming in the middle, mm. called it the middle of the middle, M-O-T-M. It became this acronym like, everything else in this world. Yeah. And the people that are in the know were like, no, that's too far back. You don't, that's not ethical to shoot a bear there. Yeah. It's always bugged us. Okay. Always bugged us. So we admit to people, don't go too close to the shoulder. I mean, the last thing we want to do is wound an animal. Yeah. And you don't want to shoot it in the middle. That's too close to the back of the animal. So you aim between the middle and David, while he was explaining this, said the word shittle. And I, he sent me this video and I was like, that's it. I, we have to make a shirt that says aim for the shittle. You just it's between a, the shoulder and the middle. You had a light bulb moment. Uh, that was, there was definitely okay, a light bulb moment. Okay. And he kind of laughed it off. And I'm like, no, serious, man. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that we've, that's bothered us for a long time. Yeah. Let's make a shittle shirt. Right, you know how you do a cross section of beef, <laughs> yeah. and you see all the different cuts of beef on yeah. an animal. Let's do the same thing with a bear, and yeah. we'll go with the shittle shot. And all the other spots or cuts will be reasons you made a bad shot. And I mean, nobody's going to get it. Only the people in the hunting bear hunting community are going to get it. Yeah. Just like nobody outside of golf knows what a mulligan is. But if you wear sh- wear a shirt that says I, I'll take a mulligan on that. Mm-hmm. All the golfers feel it. like they're in the know. Everybody yep. that wears a shirt that says brap knows that you're a snowmobiler. Mm-hmm. There's something about community that comes through a t-shirt right? just by a simple statement. Lingo and you're, you're in the know. You're in the know. Yeah. You're the man and people yeah. will see you across the room and give you the nod, right? Right. It's like the Toyota nod. You you had a Toyota. People do the nod. When you I had a Toyota, Toyota for, actually, that's <laughs> not true. I had my forerunner for a long time. Okay. Yeah. You did a very yeah. long time. But I just had the new Tacoma for a day there you go yeah okay so yeah so i was like okay let's get this shirt going but maybe we should start you know debunking some other myths or have some humor in there about terminologies that are you know kind of specific to bear hunting Mm -hmm. and we'll buy people buy this we're like well we would i'm looking on the website right now so (laughs) you should everybody should yeah Black bear wear. So we also wanted to come. Yeah, black bear wear. We were like, okay, what do we want to call it? Well, let's call it black bear wear. Okay. So we apply 
for a business name, Black Bear Wear. And I don't know, I mean, you've gone through probably multiple different times of trying to get business names. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't understand their system still. I still think that it's just, they get your application mm-hmm. and they type it into a computer mm-hmm. and whoever's typing it in, that's their discretion on whether it's too close to something <laughs> else or not, because there's no rhyme or reason for why these people denied us at first, because there's Black Bear everything. Yep. Guy in my hall, they're, they have a motorsports place called Black Bear Motorsports. Okay. Black Bear everything. But there was nothing out there called Black Bear Wear, so why can't we have it? Okay. So they come up with this excuse that there's something in Quebec called Ladalupe that have a store called Black Bear and they sell some wear. Apparel, right. But it's like, but it wasn't even apparel. It was like work stuff. Right, okay. So they denied it. So we're like, okay, must have, so then let's change it. We thought, well, let's drop the C and just go B-L-A-K. And then we research and it actually turns out where it's pretty cool. I mean, the term narrative right now is kind of bothering me. You hear it everywhere. Mm -hmm. But- changing the word black to dropping the C is actually taking control of the narrative. And it's actually well known. Right. Um, it's this trend that's going on, on taking control of something by changing the way it's spelt. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually very positive. And we're like, well, that's kind of cool that it works out. Let's mm-hmm. try for this black bear wear. Yep. So they denied it on a totally different reasons than Latalupe and black. It made no sense whatsoever. Like it's spelt wrong. You spelt black <laughs> yeah, wrong. You spelt what? It wrong. It's like, who is this? Like, can I talk to Jennifer that made the yeah, decision? Not Karen. <laughs> not I, want, Karen. I want to talk to Jennifer, not yeah. Karen. So then David just wrote a, you know, that this was intentional. We don't understand their process. And then they sent us back a letter saying, yeah, you can have that. <laughs> so I guess Jennifer made it happen. Right? Uh-huh. So yeah. So Black Bear Wear, B-L-A-K, Black Bear Wear. And it's... We wanted a logo that the kids might think is cool, mm-hmm. but can still kind of be okay with the hunters. You know, it, what is that bear doing? Is he knocked out? Is he sleeping? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to think he's sleeping, that's fine too. That's, that's right? cute. Yeah, he's a cute bear. Okay. So uh, yeah, just uh, get some of those terminologies and funny things, put them on shirts and see what we got. It's It's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. And it, it's good. You know, my kids see me doing it. And, uh, you know, if if it works out, that's great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. Yeah. Well, I was going through uh, the Instagram and I see this meme of a kid sitting in a hot tub <laughs> with a whole bunch of girls and when you're ugly, but you bear hunt. <laughs> so good. I don't know if I've laughed that hard in a long time. It's so good. It actually... In looking into all of this, I was like, oh, I kind of want to be a bear hunter. I'll let you in on one of the shirts that's coming up. Okay. It's uh, chicks uh, chicks dig my bear hunting skills, right? we just got to come up with a proper know. image, yes. right? Yeah. Is it proper to say chicks or... I think the group of people that will buy this will like that. So You know that you are talking to the wrong person <laughs> when you're asking what's proper to say. Zero yeah. percent. The HR department in my company <laughs> hates me. Exactly. Let's put it that way. Um, so you, you, um, I imagine that there's, you know, in starting any company, there's, there's like all of this, all of the setup stuff, all of the things, all of the small things that if you, 
if you haven't done it, are the biggest things in the world. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you're operating and you've and you've grown and stuff like that, you're like, oh, I spent so much time doing this and this and this. Um, <clears throat> what was the hardest thing about starting both of these companies? What was the hardest thing about first opening up your first outfitting uh, company? What drives me insane, and I still to this day find the hardest yeah. and takes the most energy out of me, is anything to do with accounting. That's fair. I, there's times where like when it's tax time and getting all that stuff together, mm. like it drives me nuts. Mm. Now it's, it's a necessary evil. It's part of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've learned now to put it in good people's hands. That's I it. would rather spend the money than carry the stress. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just one of those things. It's like, whatever it costs, take the stress away from me. Yep. Right. If with the black bear wear, it's been easy. Um, all of it, it's fun. Yeah. We're both in a position in our lives where whatever. So we spend some money. Yeah. I've spent money on worse things, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> you fair. know? Yeah. Um, but I guess there still is frustrations, you know, uh, things you learn. Wow. You, and quickly, like a month later, we learned that, okay, printing, we wanted good hats mm -hmm. with a big crest. Mm -hmm. And when you get the the pay the the pay and ship places to do it, the drop ship companies to do your logo on your hat, print it and ship it for you. I think mm -hmm. it's called fulfillment agencies. Okay. Uh, they don't give you a big enough logo. They give you like a two inch. We want two and three quarter inch or bigger. Mm -hmm. Well, they wouldn't do that. So we bought the hats, got the the badging done got it shipped everything shipped sewn on well fine and dandy the, you get the hat back it's so expensive then you got to ship it which i don't know if you've shipped anything lately but <laughs> i'm losing money on every <laughs> one i sell <laughs> so it's like no drop ship company we can do it we can deal with the two inch logo like yeah. sorry we learned that one pretty quick I'm just going to slip this flyer from my outfitting <laughs> in here and maybe make it a marketing expense. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Probably not. <laughs> no. Zero percent. Okay. Well, black bear wear, black bear hunting business. It's all mm -hmm. one thing, right? I so like it. I think some clients are going to get some pretty nice hats this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing. When you're running a company that's merch, totally different than when you're running a company where merch is your giveaways because right. I'm more than happy to give away stick flingers, hats and shirts and everything else I have. Yeah. But then when you're you can't just them. give away your stuff that you're supposed to be making money on. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not used to that. I just want to give everybody black bear wear, make no money. Are we supposed to be making money? <laughs> exactly. Back to the bookkeeping issue. <laughs> yeah. The second that I, you know what? I've had a ton of bookkeepers over the years. But I've never had a great bookkeeper till I would say the last two or three years. And it has made my life so much better, so much better. It's unbelievable because that is such a big part of everything, right? Like you can make money, but if one, you don't know how to keep it or you don't understand taxes or you're, you're not organized enough and you get audited, who mm -hmm. let no. me tell you mm -hmm. it is uh it is another adventure 
I bet. And it's not a fun adventure. Not the kind we like to have. No, that's like a doctor visit when you're over 45. How old are you now? Adventure, 37. <laughs> not there yet. Um, so that really from the beginning was the biggest was the biggest challenge. That's right. Now you've had to hire guides. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had, uh, you were talking about some outsourcing in the B and B. How is dealing with people in in all of this? You know, I was worried to go up to a community like these little towns in northern Manitoba. Everybody knows that you're the new guy. Mm-hmm. They've already the rumors have started. This Y'all is a guy from around here. <laughs> yeah, they become American as you go <laughs> yeah, north. It's yeah. amazing. It's so weird. <laughs> but you think they would. Right. But you get there and honestly, it's been the best mm. people I've met. Yeah. Like I honestly couldn't run my business the way I do without them. Right. Like I've got a guy, I've got some go-to guys up there like that. For instance, I've got uh, 44,000 pounds of trail mix on its way there in the next couple of weeks. It's like, well, you don't just unload that with a shovel. Right. You don't unload that like by hand. So I've got a guy with a tractor and forks for pallets and he's got a pallet jack lined up and he's got tarps lined up. He's going to unload it and package it all for me and it'll be ready for spring. Nice. Right. I've got another guy up there that runs a farm and does carpentry and kind of everything on the side. He's going to build a bunch of stuff for me before I even get there this year. I got one of my other, my head guides from up there. He'll have everything baited by the time I get there without those good people. I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I could, but it wouldn't be as easy. It would take a lot more out of me, mm-hmm. right? So good people, having good people, and then taking care of those good people. Yeah. You know, as as much as they're friends now, I make sure that they get taken care of. Yeah. Right? It's funny how you, you talk to other outfitters and guides that have worked for other outfitters and what they pay them. And it's no wonder they don't have good guides year after year. Yeah. Right? That is who your client is going to be with for the whole week. Mm -hmm. You better provide them with a good guide. Well, they're representing you. That's right. Right. For sure. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned, something that I actually had to, I thought about it actively for a long time was the term invest in people and coming from like a, cheap ukrainian background you want you know i'll i'll say i won't say cheap i'll say frugal right like my, cheap. My, i've got ukrainian my, too so my parents are very my dad especially very frugal mm-hmm. and he's very very good at it um but coming into this thing i it took me a long time to realize that people are everything right nothing gets done without people that's right and when we're building companies and and who we're bringing in is is a complete reflection of us but not only that like we're creating we're helping create their lives right like you're paying a salary you're paying you're you're allowing them to to do what they want um and especially you where you're getting guys that they're probably not people that don't enjoy hunting right oh, exactly and so that's a it's an awesome little thing like that is one of the one of the greatest things that I really admire and 
it's actually all the rage now um, where we find, where we're hearing during the last two years, two and a half years uh, of people quitting their jobs Mm -hmm. and people realizing, you know, whether they're getting fired or they're having to start working from home. um, You know, I've heard it called so many things, the great exodus, the great quitting, you know, anything. Uh, people leaving their their jobs because they're just not happy, mm-hmm. right? And whether, you know, I've been listening to guys that have been preaching from the mountaintops, like find something that you love or, and this is why it was so important to me, was while you're working your job, start building something on the side. Exactly. Start your side hustle, find out what you're passionate about, Maybe it's not a thing. Maybe it's a process. Maybe you just like building things, creating, writing, singing. I don't care what it is. Um, but what I always really admired and and loved about you was how passionate you were about it. So seeing you jump into this, like that is the, I think that is the penultimate. Right, like if if you have a surfer with a surf shop and he gets to surf all day, or you mm-hmm. know, or, and that's key right there that he still gets to surf. That's See, right. Because like what you're saying, so key. It's so easy when it's your passion. Mm-hmm. You got the wind in your sails already. Yeah, like it's, it's second nature to go with this, but to not turn it into something that becomes just work. Right, another job. Right? That's why outfitting for bears is so perfect because I still get to do all my hunting in the fall. I still get all year. I do everything. It's just May, June. I focus on taking guys out, mm. right? So I'm not, I've found that I'm not turning it into something I hate. Right. Right. It's still a passion. Yeah, yeah. Right? So. How do you, how do you ensure that the people you bring in are representing what you want them to? You know, just keeping it to the bow hunting in my main camp has done that. I allowed the one year I, a guy, a guy called me and he said, listen, I got an injury and I got a doctor's note. Can I bring a crossbow? And I was like, well, you're already booked. Yeah, I'll allow it because you have a doctor's note. Well, lo and behold, three out of the four guys in his group show up with crossbows. It was a totally different dynamic that week. I imagine. Like not, I don't know if I just hit it, if I was unlucky. And I'm not saying crossbow hunters are bad because there's a lot of great people that hunt with a lot of weapons. But it was like, wow, it is, if they hear this, they'll know who they are because they're the Mm -hmm. only guys, but that's fine. Um, They were very undesirable to have there. Mm. So I think sticking to the clientele with the base of being archers. Right for one has definitely put me in that group of people that are good people coming up all the time. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, there's no really, there's no real other screening process other than most of the guys that come are hearing from somebody else. So if guy A is a good dude and his buddy guy B wants to come with him, he's probably going to be a good dude too. Yeah. Right. So do you notice a difference? Uh, Let me back up. What's the percentage of, hunters that are coming up from the states versus the rest of canada or outside yeah, they're of all america. american every and you one. asked earlier i didn't answer they're from the mostly from the midwest really yeah okay yeah you get the odd guy that comes down up from alabama or florida but most of them are like that you know 
Wisconsin to Michigan, Iowa, mm-hmm. that kind of area. Right. You're in a position that is an unbelievable opportunity and and I think most businesses would actually really fight for it because you are you have a finite amount of tags. Mm-hmm. You're sold out pretty much every year and not only that in advance. Mm-hmm. Um so your ability to or your necessity to market is almost decreased, right? Like it has now that I've expanded yeah. is where it's the first time where I don't have a four year waiting list. Right. right? I, I turned guys away for so many years that I even saw on a forum one time, somebody was like, go to stick flingers. It's the best bear hunting. And the reply was, you'll never get in there. It's booked forever. <laughs> and people were just writing me off. Crazy. And that was one of the reasons when I was like, okay, I need to expand. Yeah. Because people think they're never going to get in. Right. But then comes the time now where you jump from 20 some to 60 some. Mm-hmm. COVID happens. People are a little shy about traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Americans aren't vaccinated. Hopefully that changes soon mm-hmm. uh, with the border mandates. Yep. But, you know, all of a sudden now you're like worried about filling up camps. You know, I'm full. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, tourism and the Department of Natural Resources is allowing me to operate at 150% for the next couple of years to catch up. Beautiful. So now it's a matter of, I got 90 some guys to take. Now it's fulfillment. Yeah. Now it's like, wow. Okay. So I got to get out there. I got to put some, thank goodness with David, right? Throw a couple of videos together, get it out there. Yeah. Get it on forums, right? Like, well, it helps a lot that you know where the base is coming from, right? That gives you an opportunity to market geographically to them. And I'm, and I mean, your niche market, you know, where people are, you know, what they're reading, what they're, who they are. That's right. You can really, that's something that a lot of business owners have to struggle with. That's right. Is understanding their, who their people are. You know, you never know. I've, I've considered if I expand again, going beyond the U.S. Right. You know, people from everywhere like to hunt. True. You know, I have a, I know a guy that's a big businessman that buys and sells businesses. And he says his connections with people in Asia and they're inquiring when they find out he's a hunter Mm -hmm. are so inquisitive and want to come hunting here how's your mandarin you're talking oranges (laughs) really good i love oranges oranges. (laughs) for for bananas but oranges are good yeah it's that good right yeah well that would yeah there's a there's a huge untouched market germany a lot of and my the guy that came into me who you know with the other expansion of my business to that bed and breakfast part of it speaks fluent German. So good. So it's like, wow, we're thinking of filling that camp up with Germans. You got to get him on video. That's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Got to keep his clothes on. (laughs) Again. Um, You know, we talked about having a career and a lot of times people look at it as one or the other, right? They say, and, and, and I was the same way. Um, there's kind of the best of both worlds, I, I find, right now. Um, you know, there, I was on the fence for so long, 
about it. Uh, there's, you know, your safety and security versus the freedom and, and all of that. I think that, you know, I was on for 11 years. We were at the same hall for three years. Um, I think we had relatively a lot of same issues with, with the job. Um, the first one being, I don't think either of us like being told what to do. <laughs> I've seen that multiple times, uh -huh. but in both you and I, um, one thing as a, as a business owner too, and a smaller business is that inefficient practices or inefficient processes when you can't change them and you know, and, and you start having issues with it, that becomes incredibly frustrating right so what's the what's the major differences what's the mindset what's the you know you've been able to actually have the best i would say it's it's kind of the best of both worlds and it and i think it's a really smart way to do it um as far as you have this safety blanket right and you're you're building your passion you're building everything that you love to do on the side. So I think that w one of the nice things about doing this podcast is that anyone that's in a similar situation, all it takes is to hear one person about doing something, mm -hmm. right? If one person can do it, it now becomes possible. That's right. So, you know, to anyone out there that is in a union job, is in a career that they think that it's either golden handcuffs or if they feel like they're drawn to something else. I think it's great to hear from you um, who's made a different decision than I made, right? And you're still a firefighter and you're building all of this and you know, you're know you going through all of the, the, the ups and the downs of both jobs. So let us in a little bit about, you know, how the mindset works and what, you know, where you need to bring your mind because it's totally different. Oh, it is. You know, you you hit all those points so perfectly. It's working for the fire department. It's if you have to work for somebody else, it's mm -hmm. a pretty good place to work. I would agree. That's yep. one thing you can say about it. Yep. There's frustrations, like you said, um, with the system of whoever's been there the longest is in charge. Mm-hmm. So congratulations on doing 10 jumping jacks and touching your toes. Now you're going to tell me what to do for my whole time here. You mean 30 years ago, they did those. That's right. And that's right. who's in charge now. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's like, wow, I don't believe I'm listening to this guy. Mm -hmm. you know, fortunately, right now, I'm in a great position with a wonderful person yeah. in charge. Yeah. But there's times you're not. And for those of us that are thinkers, for those of us that like to do things because they make sense. Mm -hmm. It, nothing drives me more crazy than doing something that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like right now at work, we have to double mask. So we wear a paper mask, yeah. which doesn't block COVID, Correct. covered by a material mask, which doesn't block COVID. So we're wearing two masks to do 0% protection. Double, carry the two. two. <laughs> exactly, right. yeah. still zero. Yeah, multiplied by zero. Yeah, so why are okay. we doing this? Like to, right. that drives me a bit insane. Right. Right. That said, it pays the bills. Yep. Um, I still get the opportunity to help people. Mm -hmm. 
a lot less than we used to. Yep. Uh, the amount of calls that come in and the types is frustrating. Okay. Um, to be honest, Dan, I don't think the majority of people are built to work the same job for 30 years. Just being honest. Yep. Some people I'd love agree. it and I think great for them. Mm -hmm. I happen to not be one of those people. Mm -hmm. So now fortunately for me, I got on the fire department late in life, right. which making it to the pensionable age is still achievable with having to, without having to stay there for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Right. So in my situation, I think it's pretty, it's pretty cool that I got six more years and I can retire yep. with a pension, but only because I have my sideline. Like you say, what I've built up since then. Yep. Um, I guess another thing, and I shouldn't be complaining about their career because it is great in a lot of ways is it does give me the time to have a side gig. Yep. Right. And yep. so, yeah, for people that want to, want to turn what they love to do into an income, mm -hmm. I think that that's exactly what they should do is just start picking away at it. Find that little thing that they like, you know, like you said, whether it's building something or see for me through tourism and just providing an adventure for people, well, that's exciting every time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm better at it. I'm better at it than being a firefighter. <laughs> just honest. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there, there's times where I, there's times where you help a lot of people at yeah. work being a firefighter, but then yeah. there's times where you go weeks and you're like, I didn't help anybody. Right. Whereas every single time I take a guy bear hunting, I know that I'm providing him with an experience that he couldn't do on his own mm -hmm. and that it's going to be top quality. So, and I never really realized that for a long time until more recently where it's like, wow, I actually get a lot out of this, mm -hmm. right? You actually, you do it at first because you want, you want more money. You want to build a business you want, but then all that's only so good for so long until you realize you're not getting anything out of it other than money. Right. Which is fine for some people. Yep. But I don't know. I need more than that. Right. If I wanted just money, I would do something else. I wouldn't be a firefighter, obviously. Yep. Right. Well, all of this, I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's ever, like there's not an easier decision. I think that whether you leave a, a long-term career or you stay in the long-term career while trying to build something else like there's always, it's, it's a hard choice either way, right? It's never easy. Um, you have a family, right? There's, there's so many different factors that play into a decision on, on what you're going to build, uh, where you're going to spend your time, uh, you know, how you're going to make your money, how, how you invest in not only the companies, right? You start a few companies, you got to start allocating different funds. And so, I don't think there's ever, there's, there's never a right choice. There's never a, a wrong choice. Nope. It's only the one that, that serves you best. And it's different for everybody. That's right. Yeah. Um, I should say if I was 10 years younger, I probably would put their career to the side. Right. And do, do outfitting bigger. But I'm so close. You know, mm -hmm. I tell you, well, you've been there. Yeah. Six years of showing up for you know, hanging out with the guys and doing what we do, that's, that light's pretty, you can see that light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and then you got a pension, Yep. right? So, you know, there's a certain amount of stick to itness you need mm -hmm. in certain things when you look at the the greater good and the, the end goal. Yep. And right now for me to turn around with only six years, like 
I'd have to have something a lot bigger going than I do. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. I I don't think, I think when people are faced with this decision that it's, there really is no right answer. There isn't. Right. Um, so speaking of family, you know, I, I think that one thing with business owners um, and especially, you know, high up executives and even people that, that own monster businesses. Um, we're talking about balance. So when we, when we talk about family, we talk about balance. I think there's other things to in balance in there as well, like time and money and family and faith. Um, you know, your, your body, that's a big one too. Um, how much have you, how much, have you actively put into thinking about stuff like that where, you know, whether it's your time, your energy, um, and really your priorities? Yeah. You know, I feel very blessed that way that I haven't had to put a lot of my effort into that because I've lived my life with structure, like quite structured my whole life. Firstborn child, you know, it's... (laughs) It's just in me to be structured. And my wife, firstborn child, and the way we've had our relationship, the way we've raised our kids, that we, when we get up in the morning, we make the bed. We've talked about that before, Mm -hmm. that every day we have mealtimes, that, you know, that kind of structure, it's allowed us to have like a really good, um, not only a good foundation, but a good balance like you said, you know, like we got the kids activities every day. We got church on Sundays. We got, you know, we got, she's got her hobbies and her friends. I've got my friends and my hobbies. And it's been, wow, you know, almost where I take it for granted, but it's been pretty effortless. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very fortunate that way. Cause I know it's not always that way. Right. Right. I think for me, I need the me time in nature. Like, hunting when i sit in a tree and it's minus 20 for eight hours it gets my head straight Mm. right there's times where everybody else loves going ice fishing with their buddies there's times where i'll go sit in an ice tent all day by myself right it just gets my head straight yeah it's just like when i'm going there and back when i'm driving to bear camp and back it's five six hours in the vehicle i love that alone time Mm. i think for me that's kind of my reset is my alone time yeah and if I can have that, and you know, I get so much too out of my kids and being with them and seeing them do their things. Like right before I came here, I was watching soccer practice. There's only two parents that watch the practice. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't get enough of watching my kid. Yeah. I get so much out of that. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of my balance comes from comes from my family and my kids. Right. Right. It's one of those uh, I've I've heard it I've heard it used the analogy of like your battery. Right. Your things are either either depleting your battery or they're filling it up. Mm-hmm. Right. And and when we start to look at or be aware of the things that are draining us versus not, um, that's a, that's a really big one. How much does, um, so you mentioned church, how much, and I know it's a, it's a funny question cause I know you, but how much does faith play into your life, but also into how, how is it, influenced uh decisions you've made in business yeah faith you know grew up in a christian family Mm -hmm. 
and you know carried that through started uh, found the right church to go to um when i was in university where it wasn't boring because i was at that age where who wants to go to church when you're 20 right mm-hmm. and but man it was a live band good music you know cool people you didn't have to dress a certain way you could wear your ball cap mm-hmm. it was like wow this is kind of what that for me it was that saving point like where it was like uh, if it wasn't for that church i might have been gone right so yeah and then met a girl with the same values and spirituality mm-hmm. and uh yeah for i don't know it's like it's like having that super strong foundation where you're not going to falter. It's not that you go out and preach it to everybody all the time. Cause I remember seeing people in my life that were like that. And I'm like, yeah, they're not really attracting anybody. They kind of seem annoying. Mm-hmm. Right. But then you meet the guy that's living his life and there's something admirable, admirable about him. And then you later find out, Oh, he's got a faith base. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, well, I want to be that strong foundation guy that, has something that you can't put your finger on until you later realize that it's because he's got a strong spiritual foundation. Right. Right. So I, I don't know. We were raising our kids that way, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then there's little things you get back that you hear from other people where, you know, your kid is pretty, pretty strong in who, who he is. Like, it's like, wow, that feels good. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're making like mini me's or, you know, not that I'm all that, but it's working out. Mm-hmm. right and you're like wow you know role modeling yep right and i think that's a big part in all of our lives is having a good role model and being a good role model mm-hmm. right having because you know as a parent you can tell your kid to do something all day and he's not going to do it but if he sees you do something that's what he's going to do mm-hmm. right so you know we talked about earlier how people reacted to your youtube videos of of not only watching you hunt but also how you were parenting and how you were um, including the kids, how you were role modeling to them. Like that's, I, I don't, I just don't think it happens enough. Right. And that's the real part. And that's people like to see real, but people also like to see the good part. The, like the, they like to see people setting a good example, right? oh, exactly. whether, whether they're doing it in their lives or not. Yeah. We still want to know what's out there. We that's still right. want to see it. That's right. And I think a lot of the guys that come up, do that in their lives. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the videos that people have out there don't portray that. That's right. So yeah. they're not connecting with it. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't try to be somebody you're not mm-hmm. if you're on social media. Be 100%. who you are. I mean, you're made the way you are for a reason. That's right. If you were supposed to be somebody else, you would have been made to be somebody else. That's right. So just be who you are. And the people love that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about you. But- but there is a lot special about each of us, mm-hmm. right? Like just figuring that out, yeah. And, just and trying to exactly trying to figuring out who you are is you that that'll take that can take people their entire lives. It can. I, I've heard somebody say um, one of the things that's always stuck with me: if I try to be you, I lose every time. If I try to be me, I win every single time. That's right. Which, and when I try to be you, I do a pretty bad job at it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so you, you had mentioned um, mentors or, um, you know, setting an example. Has there been mentors in your life? Um, books? Has there been things that have, have really helped shape you and influence you? Um, 
that stick out to you? You know, there isn't somebody that had all the attributes that I look up to, but there's bits and pieces of people along the way. Okay. You know, there was that about that guy and there was that about that guy. And it's funny how you, you, you they're clear too, mm-hmm. right? Like I've never been asked that question, but it's like, yeah, that guy, that guy. And it starts popping up, but it's not everything about that guy. It's just, I like that, that about no. him. I like that about him. Right. Right. And yeah, I think that for sure there's, there's role models and mentors, but not one person like an idol. Right. Right. Just, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to hunting here. What is something that you wish people knew about bow hunting that most people don't? That we love the animals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, like I said earlier, if I have to explain it, you won't understand it. It It's one of those things. It's like, and it, I mean, you can't just stop a conversation because that it's an end all, <laughs> right? But at the same time, hunters love, and, and it doesn't make any sense to people that, well, then if you love them, then why would you kill them? Mm-hmm. Well, that that's one of them. Okay. Um, bear meat is amazing. <laughs> that's another one. People, there's wives tales out there that people know bears are gross. They taste like garbage. They taste like fish. Mm-hmm. That's another thing people you need to debunk. I can attest to that. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. I just got some, some pepperoni sticks made that are jalapeno cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> I should have brought you some rather than a hat. <laughs> um, in your, as, as you're coming through here, you're, you're well, you've always kind of been, like you were saying, you were kind of always not well-known, but people knew who you were. And then as you've grown, you've become, you know, stick flingers have grown and, you know, you're known as, I'm, I'm just going to say elite in your market, right? Um, what do you believe about your industry that goes against the norm or the majority of people? Whether it's hunting, like it may not be bow hunting, but it could be just hunting in general. It goes like, that's a good question that I don't have a good answer for. Yeah. So say it again. That I suppose it would be where, what makes you different? Where, where do you go against the norm? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, when I get it all the time where it's like, you don't look like a hunter. Hmm. It's like, yeah. I didn't know that I was <laughs> supposed I to look. <laughs> oh, so I'm supposed to. And then they tell me you're supposed to be overweight and have a beard and pair of coveralls on. And it's like, well, sorry, that's yeah. not really the way hunters look, right? Like most guys that are really into hunting try to stay fit because there's a lot of physicality that goes into it. You can't be an out of shape hunter. I saw a picture of a dude carrying, was that you carrying a bear? No, but we've carried bears. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's funny. Bears aren't as big as people think they are, Okay, but it's still not easy to carry a bear. (laughs) I wouldn't think so. So carrying a bear. I don't know how far that person carried the bear, but yeah, it could be for a picture, but no, that guy carried it. He carried it. It was his, what he wanted to do. That's He's insane. like, I want to carry my own bear out. It's like, okay, let's do this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. He's a good dude. Okay. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, you know the phrase, you don't know what you don't know, right? So is there anything that I should have asked you that, you know, that I didn't, whether it's about hunting, whether it's about, 
you is there you know a huge contributor to your life your business your career your family well you got to have a good spouse if you're going to do this and you're going to be an outdoorsman mm. and you're going to have somebody that can support your family while you're away mm-hmm. you need to have somebody that you're is on board with this right like it's not like I'm running out next door to do some rentals on the house mm-hmm. and I'm back for supper. Right. Like I'm gone for yep. six to eight weeks. Yep. So you better have somebody there that can handle handle things while you're gone. Yeah. And also have stuff in place for when you're gone. Like, you know, have some breaks for her along the way. Mm-hmm. Have some people in place to help her out. Stuff like that. Well, she's juggling three kids. Well, yeah. And I started this business with uh, two and a, and she was pregnant <laughs> with a third or was it right around then? And then the first year in, she's got a newborn and two toddlers. Yeah. It's like, see ya, hon. I'm out of here. Right. So yeah, a lot goes to her. Yeah. Um, no, but you've asked great questions. I, I, I want to honor the person that you are. Um, I hope that it, it, that whoever listens to this understands what kind of person you are. And if they don't, I'll try to tell them. Um, I have, you know, a lot of people on the show and I, I think that your success in your market is not only because you know how to hunt well, it's also because people get to know you. Um, I think that your, your faith, um, your incredible, um, ability to follow your passion, not care what anyone thinks is just something that I've always admired about you. I think it helps you a lot. I think that, you know, it comes into all the things that you're doing and you're sharing stuff that attracts people to you and if it doesn't it's getting rid of the right people so i think it's it's incredible to watch what you're building um i'm so i'm excited to see just the growth that's happening and uh i'm excited to know you so i really appreciate you being on and sharing your story and i and i i i I know for a fact that when people hear and they're in similar situations or they're thinking, you know, I, that they're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. This is one, one, uh, one example of doing what you need to do and following your passion on the side. And I, it's absolutely incredible. So thank you so much. That's the nicest thing anybody said to me in a long time. It's the nicest thing I've probably ever said to you. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Love you too. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks and, for having me. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. Okay, let's do it. All right. All right.